All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Klepa, and on today's episode, we have a very unique guest. His name is Connor Young. He's the CEO and founder of a company called Ample. Now, we're going to obviously discuss what Ample is and why I think it's a cool product. But the reason why he's an interesting guest is because Connor actually originally started off owning a CrossFit gym. Then he shifted, started this company, took on outside funding. And I think he has a really interesting story for those of you out there who are owners, coaches, or interested in business. I think there's a lot to learn, a lot to hear from with Connor. In addition, what I want to let you guys know is at the end, we allude to two things. I want to bring it up now. One was that they're doing an equity crowdfunding, which I thought was really unique. If you go on their website, you can go ahead and check out more information about this. If you want to be a part of Ample. Um, in addition, uh, they are allowing us to get a discount code for all of our listeners. Simply use the code NCFIT for 15% off their product. I um, I hope you like this product as much as I do. I hope you like this episode as much as I do. And I hope you get to share, like, and uh, have an awesome day, guys. Let's keep rising the tides. Enjoy. Connor, I guess I'll start here. What What is Ample, the product? What is it? Because I'm drinking it right now. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Yeah, so basically what Ample is, is a, is a convenient, healthy meal in a bottle. Um, and it's designed for busy, health-conscious people. So basically, you know, for me, for instance, um, I... I work out around, you know, 7 a.m. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I forgot to do meal prep. And so I got to get to work really quickly. Um, and usually, you know, you, you, you look at convenience foods and you say, well, all right, there's protein, but that's kind of incomplete nutrition. There's the snacks, but they don't, they don't really fill you up. It's not really a meal. And then there's other options. But generally, like, I guess the issue there is that a lot of them are filled with either bad ingredients or the macros just aren't right. And so I kind of felt as if I needed to make a food company where the this the standards of the nutrition itself were super high so that you didn't have to compromise between health and convenience and taste. You could basically have it all in one meal. Okay. And so how, I mean, again, I'm drinking it right now, but essentially it comes in a plastic bottle. Mm-hmm. It's like a, you know, it's a, uh, for lack of a better term, a powder in yep. there. And then you mix it with water and mm-hmm. then you're good to go. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's basically, a, it's a recyclable bottle and, and it's just, it's 400 or 600 calories in that single serve bottle. Um, and so you just put water, you can also put milk in it. And, um, and so what's nice about that is that, um, a, the shipping is a lot, is a lot better than if we were to ship around liquid across the country right, 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 right. Um, for environmental reasons. And then, and then the second aspect of that I think is, is that, um, because it's powder, you can either add kind of customized you know, what you, what you mix it with, whether it's water, milk, some people do cold, cold brew coffee as well. And then the other aspect of it is that you can actually get it through TSA, um, and, and take it on, on, on planes, which is a (laughs) very big. So we were actually, Connor and I were talking about how I travel a lot to Asia and how oftentimes it's challenging to get a, uh, you know, a good, uh, type of meal replacement, especially when you're on the plane. And so that's a really great point about through TSA because it's not liquid based. That's, um, that's really fascinating. So I want to get back into Ample towards the end, but, but let's kind of pivot. You used to, you found CrossFit and you opened a gym. How long did you open it for? And what did that process look like? What, what, what happened? Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah. yeah. So I got into, uh, I got into CrossFit around 2008. 
Um, I was still in college at the time. I was, I think I was a sophomore in college. I, I graduated in 2011 with a biology degree. And then afterwards, I was like, well, I want to be in the business of health. I don't really know what that means yet, but the most obvious decision would be to, to start a CrossFit gym. And so me and two of my friends, we moved down from Minneapolis to Nashville, um, effectively just because it was not cold and, uh, and because actually it was, a, it was a really good place where there was kind of just a good market. We felt like there was, a, there was an opportunity for, there weren't a lot of other CrossFit gyms in the area, um, very, very high quality clientele. And I think the, the kind of central East region at the time was really big, especially with Rich Froning um, kind of in that area yeah. as well. Yep. And so, and so we, we decided to kind of, to start it there. And, you know, I think the, the reason why is because obviously like for me, it was, it was just so cool to see how much of a difference that two or three months of CrossFit could, could change someone, someone's life. And, and so we had these plenty of, plenty of times when, when, uh, when there'd just be like massive success cases. And I was like, wow, this is like, this is super, super fulfilling, fulfilling. And so we built it to about, and it was, it was actually quite quick growth. So in about six months or so, we had 150 clients. And you, so you had two other partners. That's right. We were all, we were all fresh out of college. We had all gotten our level ones and we started the CrossFit uh, club at our college, St. Olaf College. Ah, okay. And so we had, uh, we had kind of gotten a little bit of experience coaching, but ultimately we're just coaching our friends effectively. And so the first real experience that we had coaching was just figuring it out, um, on our on our own and 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 and, and checking out the uh, CrossFit Journal, um, checking out j- uh, videos of Jason Kalipa naturally, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, uh, <laughs> well, and so let me ask you, so then did you guys go 33? So, not quite. Um, briefly before the the CrossFit gym, I. I, so I, I actually sold knives for Cutco is this kind oh, of, yeah, yeah, Oh yeah. Yeah. Did yeah, you yeah. go door to door? I did. Oh baby. Dude, that was, that's intense. <laughs> okay. And a lot of learning lessons. I mean, that one honestly, I think was, was one of the, bo- it was actually the, one of the best jobs I ever had in terms of like teaching me hard work and discipline and, and the fact that there actually is no ceiling. You can kind of just do however in, in life you can do as, as well as you want to do. Wow. So it was fantastic. This was in college. You were selling Cutco knives. Exactly. That's fascinating to me because I mean, so you were just networking with your friends, showing up door to door and trying to sell knives and you were getting paid a commission. That's right. So but in, in, instead of being at door to door is more like you'd get referrals from, yeah. from a person and, and then they'd, uh, and then you'd call on the referrals and you know, you'd have some percentage of them who'd say, yeah, sure. Come on over. And, and you set up these appointments, but, but so that was, that was awesome. I actually sold, I don't know, about a hundred thousand dollars worth of knives. Um, so what did you learn through that experience that helped you kind of propel into your CrossFit gym and then also in ample, uh, Looking back on that experience, I had a similar experience selling gym memberships, but looking back on that experience, would you recommend that to anybody to get out there and start selling something at a younger age? If you're a 21-year-old kid if, or if you're a you know 18-year-old right now, what could they take away from selling knives? So, <laughs> it, yeah. So, is it for everyone? I don't think so. Is it for a lot of people? Definitely so. And I think it's actually, it is for a lot more people than you might think. I mean, ultimately, the, selling anything doesn't matter to the product. I think selling anything puts you out of your comfort zone. And so I think that's, so, so it, it does a couple things. One is it'll, it, it forces you to manage your own emotions, which is for sales, like the biggest thing. And so to be able to, you know, get back up after you've had three no sales in a row and, and, and confidently speak on the fourth appointment, right. that's hard. Um, I think, you know, so, so, so learning that mental toughness there is, is, totally essential. And I think the other thing is 
is that you you realize that you know when you're in college and when you're in high school you effectively you know you start you start off with 100% on your grades and you and and any mistake you make deducts from that 100%. But there's this, there's a cap. There's a cap of saying I am getting an A. But if you actually kind of if it, as soon as you graduate you realize that the that life works the opposite way. You basically start at 0 and there is there is no cap on life on what you can accomplish and, wh- and who you can be. And I think a commission-based sales type of job is the best way to to think about that. Because and it's like the best kind of lesson to show you that you know, you could do, you could, you could get zero dollars from a, from a sales gig, or you could make a million dollars a year and it's up to you. And, and realistically the, the amount of people who are all that successful is quite low. But I also think that that's, that's kind of indicative of the effort that they put forth and, and the amount that they grow in the process. And so that's why I think that this sales job for me was absolutely instrumental. I love that analogy that in school, you start off with an A, and then it's your job to maintain it. Exactly. Whereas in life, there is no A. Like it's it's up to you to reach your potential, whatever yeah. that may be. That's a really great way of articulating that. So you're selling knives, you're doing your thing, and then you decide to open up the gym. But you didn't do 33s. Um, but you had, you had done this college program, and I imagine that kind of sparked the interest to do it when you got out. But mm-hmm. what was the intention behind? Did you? Did you look into the financials about having three partners? Mm-hmm. Is anybody going to be able to make any money? What was the business case of getting into it? Yeah. So I think we all, as owners and coaches, we all understand why emotionally, mm-hmm. passion, improving people's lives. I get that. But from a business perspective, what was the mindset of three partners? Did you sure. look into the financials, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we did actually. So so I I actually started with the most ownership because as a, as a result of selling these knives, I had the most amount of money built up. So yeah. I invested the, the majority of the, of the initial capital and, and then it was myself and, and Wade, um, who were the, the head coaches because we actually had the most experienced coaching CrossFit and our third partner, Alex didn't, didn't have, honestly, he didn't have either. He didn't have money and he didn't have a lot of experience. <laughs> okay. But so why was he in the game? Well, cause he just really, really wanted to, to, to uh. run a business and we're like, we need help. Well, he'll eventually become a good coach and he's going to, he's going to learn how to do it. And, and, um, and ultimately like he ended up being the, the one who in the end was the, the owner. So, I mean, it was great. Effectively Wade had a, he took a year off b- before medical school. So he got into medical school. He deferred it for a year. He was only planning on, on being at this, this gym for about a year. I didn't have, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I said, Hey, this is a fantastic opportunity for right now. Alex knew that he wanted to really, really make a go of it. And so ultimately, all we really needed to worry about is that a couple of years from now, could this support a couple people? And and um, and I, I, I didn't know if I wanted it to do it forever, but I knew that, hey, you know what? There's a couple of different CrossFit gyms in the area. So we basically did some some competitive analysis and realized, hey, CrossFit Hendersonville, right down the street, making a fantastic living for themselves. Um, they're, you know, it's a, it's a solo owner uh, Lindsay, who was able to support for her her entire family, and we said, well, you know what, ours is basically the exact identical market. I'm sure we can we can support two two people full time. The other thing is we're fresh out of college. <laughs> we uh, we we all bought a house. Well, we all rented a house together, and and the combined monthly rent was 
was nine hundred dollars, and wow. so therefore, all three of us paying three hundred bucks a month certainly meant that our act- that, that that we uh, we had a pretty lean lifestyle and, and could maintain that for a decent amount of time. So you start off the business with a lean lifestyle. You knew where you were kind of get into. Um, you also knew that it was probably wasn't going to be forever. Now, how did you know when it was time for you to shift out of being an owner and move on to doing something else? Yeah. So, I think for me, it, a lot a lot a lot of my life is driven by listening to my own intuition. And so what that means for me is if I feel as if I'm, I guess you could say like executing on whatever my calling is at the time. And so, you know, several, about a year or so in, I kind of just had this feeling like, you know what, I'm, I, I like coaching. I really enjoy it, but I don't know if I want to be coaching for the rest of my life. And what I really want to be able to do is 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 scale my own influence, and and so basically when I when I had the thought of scaling my own influence, I was like, okay, well, what do we need to do to do that to make that happen? Obviously, we need to we need to kind of build up our our coaching crew, um, and ideally from our own client base. And so it's sort of this mentality of saying, I I, I want to go from a kind of almost like an individual contributor to to an owner but when i'm an owner naturally with with any, with any crossfit gym owner you realize that you spend a heck of a lot less time actually coaching than you do with just random daily yeah, stuff administrative stuff yeah exactly just a bunch of a bunch of that and and i felt well you know what like is that really my calling i don't know and so when i when i had enough doubt for a sufficient period of time i said you know what maybe 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 i can kind of um, turn the business over to Alex and and figure out if there's if there's something else that's also in the business of health, but also kind of um, can can sustain my passion for a longer period of time. So was it, it was a sustainability component where you feel like you're coaching all these hours, but so what you're talking about with Ample, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a scalable product where you create something and then you could you know basically grow, grow, grow. The problem that you found with the CrossFit gym, correct me if I'm wrong, was that you're in the business, or even if you're the owner of the business, you're still basically, um, you can only grow so much. Is that what the problem was? You couldn't scale easy? What, what was the fundamental reason why you feel like you weren't making a bigger impact on you know, health and lifestyle? Sure. So I think it's, I think it's a couple of different things, and I think it's definitely a, a matter of, of someone's personality. I'm an inherently creative individual, and, and I think what, what ends up happening is for me, I get bored easily. Yeah. And so what's nice about a company like Ample is that I never see the same problem twice. Because effectively, if we would have, if, you know, it's, you're, you're solving new problems as you scale. What I, what I noticed with, mm. with, with, uh, with, with CrossFit was that we would solve problems and it's a different type. It's, it's this virtuosity that you're going for. For instance, you, like you have with your app and with the, the, the way that you've structured the coaching program, you, you now are very, very, very deliberate on how you coach your coaches to the point where you're, you're, you're going to spend the extra effort to, make, to get their 95% good to 100% good in terms of the quality coaching that you can, that you can deliver to your 20 you know, plus CrossFit gyms. And so for me, I'm I guess I just realized I'm not as much of a getting from 95% to 100%. I'm more getting from 0% to 80%. And if we can get it to 80%, I'm happy to turn over that 80% to someone else 
to help get it to from 80 to 100%. And then I can go work on the next thing that I get from right. that I start from zero and go to 80. Well, it almost goes back to your selling knives days, right? Where you start off with zero commission and your goal is to get to X amount of commission. But then once you get to a certain level, you kind of lose interest and you want to transfer that out. So you like building things. I love building. Yeah, yeah. that's really interesting. Um, that's a really interesting reason to shift out of a CrossFit gym. That's actually the first time I've ever heard anybody say that to me in that sense. So as you shifted out, how long did that process take? What was the buyout process like? Did you set up a partnership agreement early on that allowed it to be easy? I mean, you guys all friends still. Mm-hmm. What is that? What, what was that process like? Or was it ugly? Um, there was a little bit of ugliness, and and the ugliness the ugliness was my fault. Oh, um, <laughs> okay. Tell me about so, that. So, so, but ultimately, we're all good friends still, and although we all live in different places, so not as close, of course, as we used to be, but. You know what? What ended up happening was, I, I didn't really know what the next step was in my life, but I knew that I wanted to do something in the business of health, ideally preventative health, um, that that could scale. Um, an opportunity, though, actually came to me to actually sell medical devices, sell basically uh, for Johnson and Johnson. Um, to go into the hospital and actually go into the OR and and help doctors use the devices that that uh, and, and and support them during the surgery. So for me, that kind of checked one of the boxes, which was the novelty, the newness of shoot. I mean, if you're if you're if you're going to see two or three surgeries a day, and you're expected to sell many different devices and know all these surgeries and know all these hospitals, like. It's, it's almost an overwhelming amount of things to know. So it checked that box. So I, I decided to give it a shot. And I, I honestly didn't, I still didn't know exactly what I wanted to quote unquote do with my life at that point. But what I, but I was like, you know what, this is another experience that I'll just learn from no matter what, whether it's a good or bad experience, who knows? So getting back to the CrossFit gym, what we ended up doing was we hired another coach to kind of, to replace me. And cause at, at that point we had kind of stabilized the business. I still had the ownership in the business as I did before. But but in this case, I, I wasn't paid a salary, of course, because I wasn't working full-time. And and so what happened was for the next, I guess, two or so years that I worked at, at Ethicon uh, or at, uh, at Johnson & Johnson, I was I maintained an ownership of the business, was not, was not there full-time. Alex, our, our agreement with our CrossFit gym was that Alex would actually, um, he's, he's the one who ended up you know, basically running it full time and, and really being the true owner of the business, he would earn more equity as he put in more time. And so, so we set up a, an agreement there. And then finally, when I, when I decided I was actually going to start my own startup, I, I sold all of, all of my shares, um, actually not back to Alex, uh, but, but actually to a, to a, a person who wanted to buy my shares. Um, and, and that was, and that's, that's how I kind of quote unquote got, got out of the business. And, uh, but, but Alex still ran, ran it for another couple of years. So what was, so what was your fault? What was the problem? Oh, um, I think the, <laughs> I think the problem was when, when we, the problem is on, on the, on valuing what a CrossFit gym is worth. So now this is really intriguing to me. When you first originally set up your partnership agreement, did you not have built into there how you guys would evaluate the business if one of you guys wanted to leave? No, I don't think uh, we we didn't, and and so that's kind of the hard part. It's like, you know, there's a there's a number of different ways to 
to value a small business? Do you do it on revenue? Do you do it on on profit? And ultimately, you know, just kind of like any business, some of it is just a judgment call. Right. And um, and so we, we didn't have access to a lot of comps or, you know, c- comparables. And so the hard part was figuring out what is this worth? And so and so both of us kind of struggled on, okay, well, how much is, I, I'm going to sell my shares right now. How much is it worth? What is, what, and, and in that sense, because we had some disagreements, it was, it, well, because we didn't really know what it was, what is truly worth, we had some disagreements and, and everything like that. Ultimately, it, it ended up okay. Um, and, and Marcos, uh, the guy who ended up, he was a client of ours, uh, who's actually also a neurologist who, who wanted to kind of buy, buy my shares. And so, but he didn't, he didn't want to run it at the time. So Alex was still running. So he ended up buying the shares. But so there's just some disagreements there. So I, I would definitely suggest before starting a gym, really iron out how you want to, how you want to value it. And, and I know it's hard to get this information, but seeing, seeing if you can get some comparables about how other gyms have, you know, value their bus- well, businesses as well, as well. Which, which kind of parlays into two questions for you. Number one is what I like about having a partnership agreement is the, how you're going to evaluate it is that it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. So if you and I say, Hey, we're going to do X amount of revenue. Well, then if I end up leaving, mm-hmm. I have to abide by that. Or if you end up leaving it, it's a, it's a clean, it's a, it's a fair strip, you know, but how did you guys, uh, without getting into like all the numbers, what did you end up? Did, how did you end up determining the evaluation? Like, what was it? I mean, was it X revenue? Was it X profitability for someone else who's out there? who's interested in selling their business or has a partnership agreement like yeah. this, what would you recommend as the indicator? So I don't, I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. I, I actually feel like I know more about startup revenue uh, valuations now than I do about, uh, about CrossFit ones. But I will say that we ended up valuing it on, on revenue, um, uh, like kind of a multiple of revenue. And the reason why was because we were not, we were, well, we, we were not profitable in the sense that we were upgrading our gym, and so our our new gym costs, of course, basically ate into our profitability and made us unprofitable for that year. At the same time, our growth trajectory was good enough, and so we basically evaluated it on on the growth trajectory, knowing, of course, as well that there's like a, a generally a, like a like a ceiling. You know, you can't just you can't take the same multiples of like, for instance. A startup and say, oh, we're going to have exponential growth forever. Right. Um, you got to say, well, okay, realistically, are we going to get to a, a 150 clients? Are we going to get to 200 clients? And then we're going to kind of cap out? In which case, what does that business look like? And and what is our growth trajectory to making that happen? And so we looked at the last couple of years and we said, okay, well, you know, here's what it is now. And we and we basically valued it um, based on our kind of projections of what that would, would, would be in the future. So as a, just again, as like a tangible takeaway for someone mm-hmm. listening, what X revenue would you recommend to look into? I, to be honest, I, I, I don't feel comfortable answering that because I, I really don't want to, I, I don't think I've, I've, I've done a good enough market analysis, even on my own side of things, but I, so I, I, I don't want to we'll be a range. here. Um, man, that's tough. Is it two X revenue? Is it up to five? I mean, well, like, well, so what I would, I would probably do is I would look at, I would look at, you know, so, so generally what you want, what you might consider is, is how long, um, you know, given, given future profitability or like, or assuming that you're not already is, is say, okay, well, like basically when does the investor expect to make their money back? So that's, that's a different way of, of evaluating it. Um, and so 
I, I might I might actually ask that question and say, well, you know what? Maybe because I think the question about about this this valuation is also it's also has to do with who's buying your company. You know, so if your company is bought by a person who's who wants to make a financial kind of you know gain in an X amount of time, then you have to value your business based on that expectation. If they're, for instance, they want to say, I want to come out of this, you know, with you know, a profit in five years or, or so I can sell to someone else in five years. Well, then cool. You, you kind of value your business based on that. If you're, if you're saying I'm selling my shares to you and you're going to run it for the next 20 years, that's a different, that's a different calculation. So I would say just, I would say keep those things in mind and you might actually have to kind of um, build, build a couple of those into your partnership agreement or at least just have the thoughts beforehand. Um, but, and, and I, I know I'm kind of dancing around the question of the actual range here, but because I do think that it is it is a more compli- complicated question, but I think that that who's buying it and you know for what purposes is a very valid you know question about how to value it. Fair enough, fair enough. So shifting gears a little bit, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about Ample. So it's such a different business model than a CrossFit gym. So traditionally, you're a very typical CrossFit gym owner. You have two or three partners. You go into it. You you know the b- business makes some money, but you know not a ton. And you try and move on, and you have a partnership challenge, and but you overcame it. Now you p- you shift into a completely different product line with the same vision, right? You want to improve. Uh, you know, you want to bring to the market a better product for people to live this healthy lifestyle. But you took on VC, you took on funding. And so what I'm really curious about with Ample, which I've tried the product, I'm a fan of it. I mean, I'm, I'm literally drinking it as we speak. You have vegan and keto uh, options, right? What I'm curious about is that I imagine the R&D on this was very expensive getting it off the ground was very expensive. And what did that process look like? How did you get outside investors when, yes, you have a biology degree, but you had never started a nutrition company. You had never started a food company. So how did you earn an investor's respect for that? I'm fascinated Mm -hmm. by it. Mm -hmm. And I think anybody out there who wants to start a business can learn from what you're about to say. So pitch me. Okay, first first of all, I would say, uh, many, many years of sales actually helped a ton in this process. And, and that, so for instance, for me, that means, uh, the, the Cutco selling Cutco and also selling medical devices to doctors. And so, you know, being able to take a, a bunch of no's, um, of like them saying no is, is, is very, very important because they're all going to feel like punches in the gut and they're all going to think. And I think the difference here is that you're not pitching, you're not pitching, you know, someone else's product, which is very easy to kind of emotionally det- detangle yourself from, mm. you know, so it's like, oh, you don't want to buy knives? No worries. I didn't invent the company. I don't right, like that, you know, right, 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 right. But, but now you're pitching your own soul to them. You're saying, I want to make this vision. Here's my vision of the future. What do you think? And they're like, yeah, you know, it's a bullshit vision. Right. <laughs> and so ultimately that can hurt a lot more. And so you kind of have to build up this thick skin and, 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 and have a decent amount of confidence in yourself because it is going to take a lot of no's, you know, f- f- for the vast majority of people. So I think that's, that's one thing. So for me though, you know, I ultimately, I think it's all about, can you solve someone's problem? So I think a lot of people start startups and they think, oh, what's like, how can I make a lot of money? How can I, how can I, you know, make a business, which is like the, the goal of course is to make money. I started actually with the goal of solving 
a couple, just one friend's problem. So the backstory on that is, you know, I, after, after selling the CrossFit gym, after quitting Johnson and Johnson, I briefly moved back to Minneapolis and then, and then to, to San Francisco to actually, um, start a physical therapy patient engagement startup is my first, yeah, it was my first, um, foray into the cross or into the, uh, startup realm and, and it failed. Um, I, I got a technical co-founder. I, I kind of tried that whole thing, but the, the reality was the business model just didn't work. How long, how long did it take to start? How long did it take to fail? Yeah. So it, it took about, it was about a year, a little bit more than a year for, for the whole process to take, which I'm, I'm really glad. I think one of the things that I think is very essential is that if you know that someone's, uh, something's not working is to fail fast. It's totally okay to fail at a business, especially a, especially a startup, which can be very speculative. You don't know. It, it, there, there has never been likely what you're trying to make. And so if you try it and you give it a legitimate shot and, it, and it's just not clicking, well, then maybe it is actually good a good time to, to kind of throw in the towel because throwing in the towel doesn't mean that you're quitting on business in general or life. It just means that that particular thing didn't work. And so for me, stopping and quitting that startup was one of the best decisions I ever made. And did you raise funding for that particular? So uh, I raised a little bit of money. I raised like $25,000. So how did that feel when you raise this money, you go out there and you put your your reputation on the line mm-hmm. and then essentially you lost that money for the investors? Really shitty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like just there, there, there is nothing. I, I mean, I, I think at the same time, I set expectations. I think, and, and ultimately, I think, I think you have to set expectations to investors. Like, look, you may lose all your money here, and and I think that's that's generally well well accepted in the startup realm, which is that most businesses don't succeed. And so, I think ultimately, yes, it it feels it feels bad, but at the same time, it's like your odds are actually against you from the from the beginning. So it's not like you're a bad person. It's just like you know what. This one didn't work out. Turns out, actually, so for these ones, I uh, we, we've we've given equity in my in in, in ample uh, to them, um, you know, to kind of make up for the fact that they invested in my, my last business. So that's kind of so so they're they're based they're technically advisors now in, in 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 ample. But so the I think that you know so the next question is okay. So how did I st- start ample? Well, instead of looking for a business problem, instead. Um, I just looked for a people problem. Like, what was what's a challenge that people were having? And so for me, I was living in this this community of of basically a bunch of entrepreneurs, a bunch of young kind of um, highly ambitious people, and they all they all kind of looked to me as the fitness guy. I was I was coaching CrossFit at right. a different gym. I you know I was degree in biology. I had read you know a lot of medical studies on on nutrition. Really, really ha- really had a ton of passion for it. And so. They they looked to me, but the problem was is like they had busy jobs, they had very busy lifestyles, and you know they're they're like late twenties trying to establish themselves in a career, don't have a ton of money, you know, and 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 life kind of feels almost overwhelming at that point. And they know that health and nutrition is very important to them, but they can't actually prioritize it in their life. So this is a, a time when when another product actually it's called Soylent when it came to the market. And um, now I I actually didn't didn't really like the ingredients of Soylent and I didn't like how they were kind of pitching it as oh you can just replace all of your food with it, and so when I was kind of telling my friends this and and actually one of my friends got you know a little bit sick from using it for the majority of his calories, uh, he's like well Connor like could you just make something better and I was like ah you know what you should just eat real food, and eventually I realized after talking to a bunch of people who act, it turns out had the same problem like how do I get this really really high high quality nutrition while at the same time fitting it into my my daily schedule 
so many people, whether they're you know, an, a, a busy software engineer or a busy CrossFit athlete who also has a finance job or a, a busy mom who's got two kids. It's like we all have the same problem if we're health conscious and busy. And so in that case, I said, okay, fine. I'm going to start this, but I'm only going to fix his problem. And if I can fix his problem, then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll start something else. But, you know, from that perspective of just solving a single person's problem, I, I, uh, I got started. I bought, bought a bunch of powders, bought a bunch of ingredients on Amazon, um, mixed them all up, you know, gave him basically a shake and it tasted terrible, but he loved it. Yeah. 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 He, cause he's like, you know what this, yeah, I didn't, I didn't need it to taste good. I just needed it to not give me brain fog. And so over the next three months, I iterated on the flavor and, uh, and it turns out that 20 out of the 50 people that I was living with in this, in this kind of like, you know, entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial community, they were using it every day, spending about 150 bucks a month on it. And I took it to the CrossFit gym as well that I was living or that I was, that I was going to, they loved it too. And I was like, all right. You so know, at the time, was this a powder that was in like a bag basically you just brought them? Yeah. So originally it started as literally a, a, a plastic baggie and then a vial of oil. <laughs> and it was like, I was just like, here it is. And, and then eventually. Dude, you look at a drug. Like dude, I know. Slanging, I, slanging drugs exactly. on the corner. It, it just totally looked like that. And, um, and so then, so I was very much about healthy fats, but they were, they weren't, they were, they were taking the powder, but they weren't squirting all of the oil in. And so, so was that like omega three MCT? What, what, yeah, what? a lot. So it was, it was, um, it was coconut oil. So there's some MCTs there. There was, um, there's macadamia nut oil as well. So that's that's got a, it's very high in in monounsaturated fat. Um, and then also there was there was also some some chia seed oil as well. Yeah. So for some some omega threes. Um, and so so they were skipping that, and I was like, well, okay, if that's the case, I'm gonna have to figure out how to make that into a powder, so I can so I can, you know, combine them. And so basically, I, that's when I kind of reached out to the suppliers, found found a couple of them. I got you know powdered oils you know sent to me, which is great, um, you know with with low carbohydrates, which is very hard to find, and and so so made basically a, a, a baggie. But then they were having the trouble of oh you know what I forgot my shaker bottle at home, and oh you know I I I wanted to do it, but like. I don't know the cleaning and everything. It just, it just, it just became too much. And I had a salad, or I no, they didn't have a salad, but they're like, oh, and I, I ate a cheeseburger instead. Right, right, right. And so I was like, all right, well, now I'm get, I gotta make it a, as convenient as possible. And so, you know, eventually I was like, well, why don't I just put it in a bottle, and all you have to do is add water. And uh, and so that that one was the one that that increased the the rate at which they actually used the product the highest. Um, and so that that whole process took about three and a half months. And um, and when we did find that out, I was like, okay, I feel like we have actually enough data where I can, I can conceivably see that, you know, this is obviously we're very, very early on in the step in, in the process. But if, if 20 out of the 50 people are using this daily for 150 bucks a month, you know, if we can get some investment, if we can get this product off the ground, conceivably other people like this, you know, this could scale. And so that's kind of the, the, the story that I took to investors and all I really needed was about $100,000, which in the investment community is not that much. For a CrossFit gym, it's a ton. But you're also thinking, well, there's a potential exit for, you know, whatever, $100 million rather than the exit that a CrossFit gym might have. Wow. So that's really interesting. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more? I first want to talk about business, then I want to come back to your product. Mm -hmm. But from a business perspective, how many rounds have you had? How many investor rounds have you yeah. had? So we did a about a hundred thousand dollar kind of round, which is basically just sustaining my own, you know, 
my own lifestyle and um which is very minimal as we talked about before the call and um and uh, and and just a couple of other things what we also did though is you know what i realized is i needed to show real traction before i can actually raise any more money so we did an indiegogo campaign and so um in in may of 2016 we actually became the number one food campaign of all time on Indiegogo. And how did that go? I mean, what made you decide to go Indiegogo? Um, yeah. What are the pros? What are the cons? Well, so, you know, a lot of people ask, oh, why Indiegogo versus Kickstarter? I think ultimately it's a toss-up. They're both probably very good. It doesn't really matter. But I think the thing is, why do an Indiegogo in the first place? Well, it's a really good mechanism to see if if your passion aligns with a market need. Right. You know, it's like yeah. a lot of people like are... proof of concept. Exactly. I think, and, and I think we have to, to a certain ex- extent, we have to kind of believe our own, you know, drink our own Kool-Aid, but at the same time, like you can't delude yourself into thinking, oh, I have the very best idea that's ever happened. Realistically, a bajillion people have had a lot of good ideas, but, you know, does the market, is the market ready for it? So it's a really good test where, hey, if you fail on the Indiegogo, well, you know what? Maybe maybe that particular idea isn't quite where it needs to be. Maybe you, maybe you shift it, maybe you try again, but it's a really good test. And so because it's such a good test, you know, and if you succeed in it, um, then then investors are a lot more likely and willing to, to, to invest in it. The other good thing about it is that you actually don't have to make your product before you before you do it, you know, uh, I don't have to. I don't have to. You're you know, pre-selling it all. I'm pre-selling, and you're it. and you're ca- you're you're getting that revenue, That's and then right. you can go out there and go do it. Exactly. Yeah. So you don't have to take on any more funding. Well, so in in theory, I would say in in actuality, almost every Indiegogo company does actually raise more money with the proof of concept, uh. because ultimately, like you know. You don't know how much your product is going to cost as you price it on Indiegogo. You you think you do, but you don't really. And so you're you're probably lucky to say, you know what? All the money I'm raising on Indiegogo is effectively just to create inventory that I can sell. So uh, so what that means is that if all you're doing is raising money for the inventory that you're going to sell, you still need other other investment for yeah. hiring employees G&A, and actually yeah. all of your other operating expenses. So you, you do the Indiegogo, you have an extremely successful Indiegogo. And then over the next couple of years, right, mm-hmm. this is 2016, yeah. here we are, you know, about to hit 2019 and um, your product now, you've had different iterations, mm-hmm. you have different packaging, I assume. How has the business done and what have you learned over the years to improve not only the product, but also from a business perspective. Mm-hmm. What's a big What's a big business takeaway that you've learned transitioning from selling knives to opening a CrossFit gym to now Ample, which is you know a multi-million dollar food business. What's the biggest business takeaway you've learned growing that? Yeah, definitely. So and so I'll just kind of start by by giving you you a a brief kind of chronology of this. So so we. Um, to give you some context. So we did the Indiegogo campaign. Then we raised about a million dollars um, from angel investors, mostly. Then we hired on a, a really great food scientist to really make on make this thing happen. Um, she actually was the former VP of R&D for uh, Cliff Bar and General Mills and Target. So she's been around and she she knows what she's doing. And, and so we launched the product in, in January of 2017, so almost two years ago. 
and uh, and we've basically just been growing ever since we we launched the original version, then we launched the vegan version, and then we, we launched our keto version last uh, last year, and and have and and, and have uh, had significant improvements in, in the flavor and and the nutritional composition of, of all of them. But I would say the the big kind of takeaway here is that the difference to me in running a CrossFit gym and 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 staffing for a CrossFit gym versus staffing for a a startup or a different business is that in a CrossFit gym and also in a sales organization, they're generally staffed by people who who already know what they're doing in in the sense that, you know, you started a CrossFit gym because you already were good at CrossFit and then you became good at coaching CrossFit. And then so you said, well, okay, now that I'm good at coaching CrossFit, I'm going to start a gym and I'm going to teach other people to, to, to do what I'm already good at. Right. And so... That is a different skill set than to hire people for what you don't you're not already good at. Mm. Ultimately, what am I what am I already good at? Well, I needed an operations person, but I'm not good at operations. I needed a, a, a real food scientist. I'm not good at food science. I can only cobble together some powders in my you know in my kitchen. Um, I need a finance person. We need a marketer, and I can learn the the, the kind of the little bits and high level of right. all of these things. Yeah, but I'm never going to actually be an expert in this. And I think the biggest thing that I took away, and actually that if I learned this lesson quicker, um, I think we would actually be further along. Um, not that I'm disappointed with where we are. Where we are, I think we've made fantastic progress. But I think the thing is, is is to be able to let go and to also real realize that you're just not going to be the expert. And so. What that means is, is, and you might have to learn enough of a particular function, like I don't know, digital marketing, to just kind of talk the talk. But ultimately, at some point, you're going to want to hire not someone who you can teach, but someone who can teach you. And you got to be able to have, at least for me, I have to be able to let go and say, you know what, you're like I'm hiring someone who's better than me. And ultimately, you have to trust in your own vision to the point where you're saying. The only thing I'm 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 doing, I mean, because effectively a, a CEO has only three jobs. Their three jobs are um, keep, keep uh, don't run out of money, as in keep it funded, um, set the vision, and hire an amazing team uh, to execute that vision. Mm. Those are the only three yeah, jobs. And if you can do those three well, you're amazing. If you if you lose focus by trying to do it all or or or, or kind of anything else. Then I think that's when 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 things go wrong. That's really that's a really interesting piece you just said, and I hope people pick up on that. I know I did. I wish earlier on I had done exactly what you just said, because as our business grew, yes, I knew how to coach, right? Of course, and you you could always get better at coaching. Um, I knew some business because I had a background in it, but as I went on, I wish I had implemented exactly what you're talking about, understanding those three three goals as a founder and a CEO, right? Make sure you still have money in the bank, you know, and our business is a little bit different than, than yours, but still, I think, set the vision and find good people to help you with that vision. I, I think that's fascinating to me. And I think it translates into CrossFit gyms that want to scale, mm-hmm. that if you want to grow, you need to identify those people to help you. Very, very fascinating. So on a, on a final note here, I want to. I do want to talk about your actual product. So we talked about these different oils and how you create them in a in a um, powder form, and now you shake it up and it's a much easier use. It's 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 great. Why have you? Um, why the amount of calories? What are the main ingredients? Why is the product the way it is today? And do you truly believe like 
what do you see this going in the next two or three years? So like, mm-hmm. why is the product what it is today? Yeah. And why should somebody go out and buy it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then where do you see it progressing in the future as you evolve and as sure. obviously the industry evolves? Yeah. Well, so first of all, it's a powder in a bottle um, because that's a very convenient form that also allows for, for really good product integrity. And, and so what, what that means to me is that so, so we have 400 and 600 calories because I wanted it to be a real meal, not something that's just a snack that, you know, if, if, if you're really hungry, sometimes you actually at work, you literally, you, you'd, you'd have to skip lunch or you're like, I, meetings are back to back. I don't have time for lunch anymore. How can I actually have lunch, you know, um, you know, in a healthy way, but also quickly or breakfast or your commute or traveling, you know, as you said. And so that's that's the reason for the for the caloric makeup. And so in terms of the actual like composition, there's there's healthy fats and I, I wanted to make sure that there's enough healthy fats. Um and and so that's that's coconut oil, macadamia, um, chia seed. We're actually adding in some uh some high oleic sunflower oil as well for some monounsaturated fats. Um and then, you know, from the you know, a decent amount of protein. I wanted to make a very high fiber uh, meal because I think that that's something that, uh, that that research has shown that we don't get enough of on yeah. a daily basis. And so, what fiber do you just? Yeah. So there's a couple of different ones. So there's uh, there's acacia fiber. There's psyllium husk. There's also um, chicory root. Um, and then also in in a couple of our versions, we have um, gr- um, gre- uh, resistant starch from green banana. Um, and so this, these are all sort of prebiotic fibers that help the gut microbiome. Um, and then finally, we have uh, we have we have greens, and uh, and and actually six strains of probiotics, and so so those so you have so you have basically all of your macronutrients, and then and then our, your, on your ample K, um, there's actually not very many carbs, obviously because it's keto, but on ample original and ample V, there's there's some carbs from um, from sweet potato and um, and and oats as well. Very. Very cool. I think the uh, the addition of the oils and the probiotics are really fascinating to me, primarily because I've found good success. Like we're drinking right now coffee with MCT oil mm-hmm. in it because I find that the brain function, I feel good. The energy mm-hmm. is clean. I don't have these crashes. And to be able to incorporate that in your product is great. And then also to add in that probiotic and the fiber component, I find that that works really well for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm really fascinated by your story, going from CrossFit gym owner to now founder of Ample. Where is Ample going to be? What's your vision for the next 24 to 48 months. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, ultimately to kind of step back, like what our vision, what our mission of the company is to, is to basically simplify getting an optimal diet or simplify nutrition. And so what that means, you know, to me is, is to make it as, as easy as possible, you know? And so what, what, what I think we've done is we've gotten to the point where, where Ample's nutrition is on point. Um, and so now what we need to be able to do is on a, on a, on a flavor standpoint, um, is, is add additional flavors um, such that people can have their chocolate, you know, kind of version of ample or a coffee version. Um, additional form factors. Uh, so so some people prefer to kind of scoop their own bulk powder. And so actually doing a, doing a bulk version of ample. And also potentially adding on additional form factors like a ready-to-drink version as well um, that, that, that comes pre-mixed with liquid so you don't have to find water. And so, you know, so on a product level, there's there's those things. On a on a marketing level, um, well, you know, on a, on a just a distribution, of course, we so we just launched on Amazon, which is going fantastically, and we, we we're really excited about it. Going to uh, going to some retail distribution as well. But I think the real big thing that I want to be able to do is, I don't like 
if we're trying to simplify nutrition, that also means that there's a decent amount of customer education that comes with that as well. I don't want to just give people a product and say, hey, go for it and you know, buy again. What I want to be able to do is help people educationally with implementing fantastic, easy, quick uh, nutrition and lifestyle uh, decisions on on the daily on, on on their daily kind of routine, and so that that means actually doing a lot of this, doing education to to consumers. And, and I I could not be more happy if if 24 months from now we had uh, we we do similar content to what your podcast is now because what I feel is that you know it's your your lifestyle is only yes you can have a product that might be able to help you, but your lifestyle is only going to be as good as, as your own knowledge and your own kind of awareness of, of, of what you should be doing. And so, so the content aspect and the community are, are, are incredibly important for me as well. I love that. So, I mean, you're a guy who right now is taking a very moderate salary, living within your office, which I think is fascinating. You're grinding it out. You have a vision. You're getting after it. If people want to know more about Ample, if people want to know more about you, where can they find out more about the product? Where can they find out more about you? Mm-hmm. And I know we're also, um, or you're also doing some type of a funding campaign uh, in in January, February mm-hmm. timeframe. So this will be you know released right about then. Where can they find all this stuff? Sure. Where should people go? Yeah. So so you can check it out on just uh, AmpleMeal.com, um, or if you just Google Ample, you'll you'll find us. And um, you know, so so you'll find. A, a, a decent amount about about me there. Um, I would say that's probably the the, the place to start. Um, you had mentioned our equity crowdfunding campaign, and basically, I'll, I'll just kind of explain what that is because because this won't be this this episode. I don't think will be released until the the campaign is live. Um, yeah, we've we've raised about four million dollars thus far from from private investors, you know, venture capitalists, angel investors. But what I really wanted to do is, you know, we we've had so much amazing support. Uh, from our community thus far, whether it's our Indiegogo community or just our, our fantastic customers since then. And so what we wanted to do is open up this investment opportunity to those people as well um, and say, you know what, like you can actually invest in a startup, not just a public company. And so there's this this cool new law that was actually just passed a few years ago that allows you to do that, it, that allows you to invest in a startup for as little as $100. And so so that is, um, and 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 actually get the you know the equity, the the, the ownership of it, and and the potential you know you know uh, return as well, and so that's through a public uh, through a through a program called Republic. You'll uh, you'll basically be able to find that on our website, um, just on AmpleMeal.com. We'll have a link there. Um, but uh, but those but those are the the few ways. Oh, the last thing, and um, I just I just realized why don't we give people a discount code? Yeah, we definitely give them a discount code. Sweet. So. We- We'll create a discount code. We'll make sure we put it in the show notes. We'll make sure yeah. we'll also put it on the um, on the Instagram post and Twitter post, etc. And so um, we'll come up with a discount code. We'll make yeah. sure it's there for them. That's great. Kalipa, is that that cool with me? Or sure, Kalipa, K H A L I P A. So awesome. So you can go to AmpleMeal.com. The crowdfunding. I, I think that's a really cool idea. And, um, you know, Connor, you have a really interesting background. I hope everybody enjoyed the episode. I want to thank you for coming on. And um, as always, guys, I uh, hope everybody has a great day. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. All right. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you could please rate, review, and share with your friends, we would greatly appreciate it. Visit Ample's website to go ahead and check out the opportunity about the equity crowdfunding, which I think is super unique. And also use the discount code NCFIT for 15% off, not Kalipa. And um, as always, guys, 
Have a great day.